to Isaiah chapter Isaiah chapter 43. And while you're turning there, let me remind you that this Sunday, or I'm sorry, this Wednesday, I'm going to begin a new series on 1 John. Now, you know, I'm assuming that we've got people that really want to know the Word of God. Am I assuming right? We're going to learn the Word of God. We're going to go through 1 John, and I'm calling that series Sharpening Your Discernment. We live in a day of tremendous deception. We live in a day where if ever we needed discernment, it is now. And John talks about a lot of things, loving the brethren, the difference between love and hate, what you ought to see in your own life if you've been born again. He talks about the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. There are so many good things in John. And I'm going to just teach the Word of God on Wednesday nights. So I encourage you, listen, faith comes by hearing. When people say to me, well, I'm just struggling in my faith, I have only one solution for that, get into the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's where it comes from. So it's like blowing on a fire, blowing on a fire that has begun to go down in the fireplace. You stoke it, you blow on it, and it lights up again. It flames again. That's what the Word of God does. So Wednesday nights, we're going to be in the Word of God in 1 John starting this Wednesday night. All right, let's stand together and read Isaiah 43 and verse 18. This has got to be, these two verses, 18 and 19, are the, my favorite verses. Some of them, it's probably my top 10 in the whole Old Testament. These are two of my top 10. The book that I have coming out in January, the whole book is based on these two verses. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, 2005, and all that was in it. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Now it shall spring forth. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Father, thank you. It's a new year. It's a new hour. It's a new day. It's a new opportunity. We thank you, Lord, that something powerful is being prepared by you for this year. Thank you that a new thing is springing forth. I pray for the impartation of vision today, that we will see a vision, that we will see a purpose, that we will see a glimpse of what God has for us and leave this place excited in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's a new year. Get excited. You probably don't know the name L. Edwards, but you probably know his voice. In 1989, L. Edwards' wife was working as a customer service rep for America Online. She happened one day to overhear Steve Case, America Online's chief executive officer, discussing the possibility of adding a voice to the upcoming AOL software for Mac computers. She said, why not try L's voice? They did, and the rest is history. His is now one of the most familiar voices in the whole world. It's estimated that the phrase, you've got mail, 
is heard around 63 million times a day. There's just something about turning on your computer, going to your email, and hearing that announcement, you've got mail. If you've never had AOL, you don't know what I'm talking about. I had AOL for just a little while. But I used to get a charge out of hearing, you've got mail. It's a catchy little phrase, so catchy that a movie was made in 1998 with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan called, You've Got Mail. When you hear it, it brings a little rush, has a way of making you feel like something wonderful has happened to you. You got mail. Somebody cared enough to write. Here's the first thing you think. I wonder who wrote me, and I wonder what they had to say. Somebody was thinking about you. They mailed you. You got mail. That began in 1989, not so very long ago. But listen now, another voice has been saying, you've got mail for centuries. Yes, you've got mail from God. Not email. I'm going to call it Gmail. You've got mail from God. The Bible says the whole Bible. The whole Bible was given to us by God. The whole Bible is God's mail to us. The mail began with Moses when God mailed five books and God kept sending mail up to 400 years before Jesus came and he sent 39 letters in the Old Testament alone. Then after Jesus came, died on the cross, and rose from the dead, God sent 27 more letters. We've got 66 Gmails in all. So I'm glad to announce to you today, you've got mail. It's in your hand. It's called the Bible. And it's His mail, His love letter, His word, His message, His heart to you. I really believe believe that. If I didn't believe it, I'd never preach again and I would never read the Bible again. The Bible says that all Scripture, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And I've got a Gmail for you today. I was praying yesterday. You're not going to believe me when I tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I was praying yesterday and saying, Lord, what am I supposed to uh, preach tomorrow? And God said, tell them they've got mail. And that's the whole way that I thought about this, you've got mail. I hadn't thought about it until God said, tell them they've got mail. So I come today with a Gmail. And the Gmail is from Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. And the first part of the Gmail says, don't remember the former things. We stand today at the precipice of a whole new year. There is a whole new year stretched out in front of us. We don't know what God is going to do. We don't know everything that lies in in wait for us that he has in store for us. But I guarantee you, he's got something for those who are looking to him in faith. And he said to me, tell them they've got mail. And these verses are my message to them for the new year. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now to consider what God meant, We need to know what the word remember and consider mean. It does not mean we're to develop amnesia, some kind of strange amnesia, where we don't remember the former things. 
It does not mean we're to practice unhealthy denial. That is not what God is saying. That's not what it means. The word remember is taken from a Hebrew word that means to mark something, to mark something so as to remember it, to mark it so as to recognize it, to mark a spot, to memorialize something. You go back to something you've memorialized and you go back to it over and over and over again. God says there are some things you're not to do that with. The word consider means to mull over, to repeatedly ponder, to constantly think about something over and over again. You're on a hamster's wheel. You're thinking about something repeatedly. And God says there are some things you need to remember and there are some things you need to let go of and not mull over. So, so God says, God says, don't remember, don't mark a spot that you go back to over and over again that God doesn't want you going back to and don't constantly remember negative things. In Old Testament times, when the children of Israel would experience a defining moment event, when something incredible would happen, a great move of God, an unusual manifestation of God, either corporately or on a personal level, They would often gather stones and pile them up to mark the spot where the great move or the manifestation of God took place. They were called stones of remembrance. That's what they were called. An example would be Jacob on waking up from his dream of the ladder reaching up to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder. Jacob woke up. He took the stone that he had used for a pillow the night before and he set it up as a a pillar and he poured oil on top of that stone. And he vowed saying, this is going to be called Bethel, the house of God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And years later, he returned to the very spot that he had marked and that's why he marked it because he said, I'm going to put a stone of remembrance here and pour oil on it. Because someday I'm coming back to it. I'm coming back to it. That's the word remember. Remember not. And so he he remembered by marking it and going back to it over and over again. So Jacob intentionally remembered, set a marker, made a memorial place out of Bethel. And there's nothing wrong, folks, with setting up memorial stones to some of the defining moment events of our lives those things that God did that are unforgettable, if they're unforgettable, we ought not forget them. We should remember the times that God moved on our behalf. We ought to look back at 2005 and say, wasn't he good in 2005? Think about the prayers that he answered. Think about the breakthroughs that he brought. Think about the mountains that he moved. Think about the valleys he carved out a road in and carried us through. Think about all the things that God did, the times he forgave you, the times he had mercy on you, the time he had grace upon you, the times he strengthened you when you couldn't put one foot in front of another, the times he picked you up when you were down, the times when he was a friend that stuck closer than a brother. You need to remember those times and say, this I am going to put a marker on and return to over and over again. Peter talked about those who had forgotten. Peter talks about those who have forgotten that God delivered them from the old life of sin so that now they can live a strong, good life for the Lord. Peter said these words, I will make every effort, I'm going to make every effort to see that after my departure from this earth, you will always be able to remember what Christ has done for you. We ought to always remember 
that old rugged cross. We ought to always remember the blood that was spilled for us. We ought to always remember the day of Pentecost when the mighty Holy Ghost was poured upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and we received power to witness and power to live. We ought to remember the things that God has done for us. And Peter said, my goal is to get you or you never forget what you ought to remember. But we're not to remember the past to the place where we say, it's never going to be that good again. Those were the good old days. Those were the good old days when God moved in such a powerful way. All the crowds were there. The healings were happening. People were being saved. People were being delivered. The Bible says you better be careful that you don't look back to the past with such yearning and such longing that it, that it blinds you to the new thing, the new thing that God is about to do. Oh, it'll never be that good again. We are not to remember back where we pitched tent and set up camp in yesterday to the exclusion of God's bright tomorrow. Not where pain keeps us back there or good memories keep us back there, or a lack of faith for a fresh move today keeps us back there. There is a danger to looking back so strongly you can't look forward. That's why my book coming out in January is titled, There's a Reason the Windshield is Bigger Than the Rearview Mirror. Why? Because what God has in store for you and your future is so much more powerful than the roadkill that is in the rear view mirror. What is past is past. The past is past because it's past. God has called it the past. There is a new thing God is about to do. And those who are looking for it in faith are those who will see it. I want to know if anybody in here is stirred up and excited and anticipating what God is going to do. Somebody said it's more valuable to look where you're going than to see where you've been. Your future contains more happiness than any past you can remember. I challenge you kiddingly to go out there today, get in your car, and drive home backward. Go ahead and drive home looking through the rearview mirror. You will not get down the street because that car is not designed to take you backward. It's designed to primarily take you forward. Our walk with God is not designed to take us backward. It's designed to take us forward. I like what somebody said. Misery is a yesterday person trying to get along with a tomorrow God. See, God won't join your pity party. And God won't join you if all you do is look back and reminisce. Oh, those were the good old days. Weren't they, God? God says, you know, they were, but I've got something in store. I've got something cooking in heaven's oven. I've got something that I want to do. So I want you to thank me for what I did, but then turn your eyes this way because in 2006, there's going to be breakthroughs. There's going to be healings. There's going to be power. There's going to be blessing. There are going to be all kinds of things God has in store for the new year. John Mason wrote, those who predominantly talk about the past are going backward. Those who talk about the present are just maintaining. 
But those who talk about the future are growing. You can tell where people are spiritually just by sitting down and talking to them. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Well, what's going on? Well, you know, I was just thinking, remembering back. Oh, those were the days when God was really moving in the church. There was revival in the city. Oh, I just thank God for those days. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about that time. I can know right then they're not in touch with God now. Because if they were in touch with God now, they would have a vision for tomorrow. Listen, if all you got going for you is what happened yesterday, you don't have anything going for you. Preach it, Pastor Jeff. I'm going to get this tape. You've got mail. And the mail says, forget. Forget what is behind you. Don't forget or deny your past. God's just telling us not to focus on it to the point that we don't even recognize what he's doing in the now, in the now, in the now, the new thing he's about to do. It's okay to have some memorial stones. Just don't build your house on them. Because if you build your house on the past, it's a cul-de-sac. It just goes around and around and around, leading nowhere. We live in a cul-de-sac, and I see people coming all the time thinking they're going somewhere, and they don't realize it's a cul-de-sac. And they come up, and they drive around, and they drive around again, and they realize this isn't going anywhere. It's a cul-de-sac. That's the life of people who live in the past. It's a cul-de-sac. It doesn't lead anywhere. God wants to do something new with you, new in your marriage, new in your life, new in your heart, new in your spirit, new in your finances, new in your faith, new in your walk. Now, I paraphrase this verse, and this is the revised, slanted, wickwire version. Do not get hung up on the former things, nor constantly think about the things of old. Paul the Apostle said there are some things in his past that brought gain, and there were some things in his past that brought pain. And he lumped all of them together and said, those things that are behind me, they're behind you. Those betrayals are behind you. Those pains are behind you. The disillusionments are behind you. The failures are behind you. And the good times are behind you. Paul said, one thing I do. One thing I do. If Paul tells me he's doing one thing, I want to know what the one thing is. He said, one thing I do. Forgetting, 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 forgetting. Those things which are behind me. The word forget there, really interesting, it means to neglect. When he says, I forget those things that are behind me, he doesn't say, I have amnesia or there's something wrong with my IQ. He's saying, I have chosen to neglect, to neglect some things that are in my past. I've chosen to neglect them. There are some thoughts we're not to feed, but rather neglect them. Don't pay attention to them. Don't let them dominate your day. Now, most of you know, in my backyard, I've got several bird feeders. I like birds. I've gotten sentimental in my 50s. And I like to feed those birds. But I've noticed something about those birds. They have no attachment to me. They have attachment to the food. And if I forget or neglect to feed them, you know what they do? They disappear. 
They don't say, that's okay, we're here to see you, Jeff. No, they disappear. If I neglect them, they disappear. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying there are some thoughts that once I neglect them for a while, if I refuse to think back to what I regret, if I refuse to think back to where I failed, if I refuse to think back to my mistakes, if I refuse to think about those things, eventually they quit coming around from sheer neglect. Come on, everybody. What things are we supposed to neglect or forget? We should neglect those memories. There's four areas you ought to forget or neglect. Regret, those things that cause regret, those things that cause fear, those things that cause guilt, and those things that cause bitterness. Neglect them. Regret, neglect them. Fear, neglect it. Guilt, neglect it. Bitterness. There's no use taking a lot of time looking back over life, listing all of your regrets. How many of you have a few regrets since you were saved? All right, watch this now. We've all made decisions which, given our current view of life, we would have made them differently. But watch this now. A young man asked an elder, how can somebody avoid making mistakes in life? The elder answered, that only comes through experience. The young man said, but how do you get experience? That's easy. The elder responded, make mistakes. You've got mail. God wants you leaving those things back there because something is about to happen. And those who are looking to him in faith are going to see breakthrough and blessing and joy unspeakable. He is going to do exceeding. Can I speak it? Abundantly. Can I say it? Above all that you can ask for or even imagine in your mind. Say, Pastor Jeff, why are you so excited about this? Because I know that my God only does wondrous things. He doesn't do anything normal. He doesn't do anything mediocre. He doesn't do anything typical. If it's wondrous, if it makes you look up and just drop your jaw and stare, that's God. But there's more to the mail that God has sent. It says there's a compelling reason, there's a real compelling reason to let the past pass. Because God's about to do a new thing. We need our minds clear and our vision sharp so that we can recognize it. Because God says, shall you not know it? Shall you not, the Hebrew says, shall you not perceive it? Shall you not see it? And it's a rhetorical question. What he's saying is, if you're all hung up in the past, looking back, looking back, pining over the past, hurting over the past, lingering over the past, he says, when the new thing comes your way, you're going to be so preoccupied with the past, you cannot reach out and activate your faith and receive what God is doing in the now. It'll just go right on by you. Just go right on by you. Have you ever noticed that with a preoccupied mind? Kathy catches me in a preoccupied mind all the time. She said to me last night, she was talking, and I don't know about you guys, but I've developed an ability. It's not a good ability. It's not good. And I don't glory in it. Uh, it's something I need to wean myself away from. But it is, an, it is a unique ability to hear someone talking and go, yep, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, and not hear a thing they're saying. 
Boy, y'all are just full of pep today. <laughs> and she's learned this about me, and so she'll bust me, and she'll say, what did I just say? Now, if she said, are you listening to me? I could still keep on with the charade. Yeah, mm mm-hmm, oh yeah, yeah. But when she says, what did I just say? I'm busted. I just look at her and say, gosh, I'm sorry. Preoccupied, what you were saying and doing just went right past me. And here's God saying, you can have your eyes so much back there that when the new thing I'm doing goes past you, you don't catch it. You're just, yep, mm-hmm, praise the Lord. You're in church on Sundays, sometimes on Wednesday nights, every once in a great while, maybe at prayer meeting. But you know what? When God starts to do a new thing, it's just passing you by because you're thinking about your money, thinking about your bills, thinking about your kids, thinking about your marriage, thinking about the mistakes of the past, the regrets of the past, doubt from the past, failures of the past, and that is so binding you and holding you down that God's sitting there, I want to do a new thing, and here it is, shall it now, not now, spring forth in front of you, but it passes you right by. God says, don't let that happen. Get your mind clear. You've got mail. And the mail is, God wants to bless you with a new thing. He told me to tell you this. He says, I'm sending a road crew. I love this. He says, he says here's what the new thing is going to do. I'm going to make a road in your wilderness. I'm going to give rivers in the desert. Hey, you've got mail. He's about to send a road crew into your wilderness. It looks like there is no way out. He's sending heavy-duty equipment. He's sending the bulldozers. He's sending the cranes. He's sending the steamrollers. He's sending the chainsaws. He's sending the helpers. And they are on the way. And he's going to build a road in your wilderness to get you out of where you are. He has not left you alone. That's the thing about the wilderness. You're lost. You're lost. You don't know what to do. God says, I'm going to send a road of direction. I'm going to send a road out. It looks like there's no way out. It seems like you're stuck. It looks impossible. But God says, now, now it shall spring forth. Now it's springing forth all around you already. It's going to come out of nowhere. Suddenly a way will appear where there was no way. Because God promised when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. Because I am the Lord and I've loved you. And I'm not going to leave you lost in a wilderness. Look up, look around you, believe God. There's a road coming into your wilderness. You've got mail. He also says, I'm going to make a river in your desert. Isn't that interesting? I find this really interesting. In the wilderness, you need a way. In the desert, you need a drink. And God says, I'm going to meet your need in both of those places. I'm going to send a river in the most unlikely place for a river to appear, a desert. I'm going to give you something to drink, water from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to refresh your soul. Get ready for it. Look up. Look ahead. Believe God. He's going to do a new thing. So here's God's word for the new year. 
Don't be entangled in or overly focused on your past. It's past. Say, bye-bye. Bye. We will never meet again. You are finished. You are over. You are done. You are past. Hello, new thing. Now, I believe in greeting something before it ever arrives. Isn't that what it says faith does? Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I love that yet, not yet seen. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not coming. Just because you don't see it, all that means is it has not manifested yet in time and space. But it doesn't mean that it's not there in the spiritual arena. It is there. And so, hello, because I've said goodbye, now I am open to saying hello to the new thing God wants to do. If I can borrow from a good preacher in Dallas, get ready, 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 get ready. The road crew is on the way. And if you listen, you'll hear the sound of a bubbling river of refreshing coming into your desert. You've got mail. Let's stand up and give God praise, can we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've got an expectancy for this new year, go ahead and praise Him. Just go ahead and thank Him and praise Him. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we stand at the gateway to a new year. Now, Lord, we say goodbye. Now, I want to lead us in this. It's a little simple spiritual exercise. Please don't think it's strange. I really do believe there's something to this. There are some things that many of you need to say goodbye to. Maybe a wound you've been nursing. Maybe an offense you've been harboring. A failure you haven't forgiven yourself for. You know what it is, because until you say goodbye to it, it's a monkey on your back. So let's just take a minute and say goodbye to what needs to be released from 2005 and before that, so that we can activate our faith for what God brings in 2006. Father, I ask you by the Holy Spirit to search us. And show us what it is we need to turn loose of. We're not going to remember, we're not going to set markers that we return to you over and over again with these things anymore. We release them. Now you take a minute and you pray in the house of God today. You pray. And you give it to God and you say goodbye to it. Just say goodbye to it. Just let it go. Let it go.
Some of you need to say goodbye to a person. Some of you to a place. Some of you to a thing. Now, some of you are saying, you know, Pastor Jeff, I would do that, but I have found myself unable to do it. I believe the grace is here right now today to release you from that burden. Would you just look up and say, Father, I receive the grace to let go. This is ministry happening right now. I'm telling you, I sense the Spirit of God moving. This is ministry to posture us as a church for a new year. say with me in prayer, say, Lord, I receive my liberty from the past and I reach for the future. Help me to know the new thing you're bringing. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to stop this quite yet. Lead us in a little bit of worship, Steve, because the Spirit of God is touching people right now. This is surgery. Listen, this is for you. This is for us so that we can go on with clear vision in 2006. Let God deal with you right now. Thank you, Lord. Let's press on. Thank you, Lord. To know the Press on to know the Lord. Let us give everything to bring back the King. And let us press on to know the this was for you today, give the Lord a hand, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, hang on one second, Kathy, come on up, and we're going to make a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to go off into the new year. Um, First of all, we won't be here next Sunday. That's right. Go ahead and tell him what's going on. Uh, Jeff's niece is getting married, and for some reason, she wants her Uncle Jeff to marry her. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're going to be yeah. uh, down uh, on the other side of Austin at Marble Falls, uh, Saturday night late, performing a wedding. We probably could make it back, but we're not going to. But we have something exciting for y'all. Uh, Tom Dooley. We couldn't make it back. Well, if we drove all night, we could. I have circles under my yeah, eyes. Yeah, if we drove all night, we could. I mean, technically, we could, but we're not going to. We're going to spend the night down there. And uh, Tom Dooley is going to be here with y'all, and I'm sure you'll all be blessed. He'll have a great word for you. And uh, also, if any of you purchase those books from him, he will be signing them, or if you want to get some next week. But I'm excited about the, the Wednesday night, the sharpening your discernment, uh, the first John this Wednesday night. Also, this Tuesday night, we'll resume our, our Tuesday night corporate prayer. Uh, I know a lot of our New Year's resolutions is to spend more time with God, and that's a great way to start. But uh, also, Tuesday, January 10th, 
We're going to be taping the James Robinson Show. If, the, if you want to join us and make up the, part of the audience and support us, the maps to the James Robinson taping are out there on the table. As well as those of you who haven't gotten your poinsettias yet, you're welcome to pick those up from the lobby. We have yes, some classes and, starting. And, and um, we need you at James Robinson. If you can possibly make it, doors will open at 615. And uh, we ought to be done 830 or so. I'm thinking two shows. We'll be on two days in a row in February. Don't know which ones, but we'll be announcing that. And dress warm because it, it's freezing in there because yeah. of James. He's a polar bear. He's, no, he is a big old bear. Okay. All right. Um, we do have some new classes beginning. We've already mentioned this Wednesday night. I'm going to look for many of your smiling faces. But we're starting a new Finding the Rock class. All of these are beginning January the 8th, the Sunday we're gone. They're all starting. January the 8th, Finding the Rock begins, which is not just for new believers. This is for new members. It's 10 weeks on the foundation stones of the faith. I wish I'd had a Finding the Rock class uh, when I was first born again. It would have been so useful. Uh, George Dawson's going to be teaching that. Raise your hand there, George. All right. Then, for all you married people who are happily married but you want it better or it's struggling and you want it good or you're in trouble and you want it saved, it doesn't matter where you are. <clears throat> Intimate Encounters is beginning January the 8th at 9 o'clock downstairs, taught by Frank and Eleanor Alfredo. Listen, what an investment. Anytime you get a chance to invest in your marriage, invest in your marriage. It's like a garden. You let it go, the weeds grow. Take care of it, and it will blossom. Then through the Bible in a year. Wow. If I were not the pastor, I would want to teach that in Sunday school. But that's going to be beginning uh, January the 8th at 9.15, taught by Dawson and Debbie Masters. Raise your hand there, Dawson and Debbie. And they're going to have the all-time draw of coffee and donuts down there with you. So through the Bible in a year. The, I've seen the workbook. It is beautiful. It's incredible. You'll have an overall grasp of your Bible like never before. And remember, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And then Tim and Maddie Crow, our youth pastors, y'all raise your hand. They're going to be uh, teaching a series down there at 9 o'clock as well. Guy talk, girl talk. Come on up here real quick, Tim. And I'm giving you uh, 30 seconds. Let's see. Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, Girl Talk, Guy Talk. Um, it's going to be an exciting uh, series, uh, 10 Things Every Guy Should Know. And uh, it's Girl Talk with God with Maddie. Um, it's just going to be a time where girls can come down and just get real with God. And so we invite every teenager to come out and uh, be a part of that. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Tim. Now, how many of you can get excited about at least one of those? I, I would go through the Bible in a year. If I didn't need one of those other ones, I'd be at that through the Bible in a year. That's my deal. I love that. All right, we're going to count to three. And guess what we're going to shout today? You've got mail. I want you to go out thinking about it. Just think, how would you act if today you knew you got home on your computer was an email from God? Would you skip lunch? Would you rush there or would you hide? Uh-oh, what is he going to say? I guarantee you, you'd be checking it out. Can I tell you? You've got mail. So get into the Word of God this year. Let's count to three and shout it. Have a great new year. We'll see you Wednesday night. 
and have a great time with Tom Dooley next Sunday. I know he's going to bless you. Are you ready? One, two, three. You've got mail. Yes, you do. God bless you. Have a good week. This is.